This is Pop Health Week on Healthcare Now Radio. I'm Greg Masters, Managing Director of Health Innovation Media, the executive producer and co-host of the show. Joining me in the virtual studio is co-founder and principal co-host Fred Goldstein, President of Accountable Health, LLC. At Pop Health Week, we engage industry leadership and stakeholder voices spanning payer, provider, patient vendor, and regulatory communities in population health best practices and strategy. Connect with us at www.popupstudio.productions or follow and direct message me on Twitter at GregMastersMPH, and that is Greg with two Gs. On today's third and final episode, our guest is Cameron Llewellyn, Director of Healthcare Independent Software Vendors and Alliance Partners at VMware, a leading provider of multi-cloud services for all applications. And with that introduction, Fred, over to you. Thanks so much, Greg and Cameron. Welcome to Pop Health Week. Thank you so much, Fred. It's an absolute pleasure. Yeah, fantastic to get you on and be talking about VMware some more. We've had a couple of shows with Enrique, been uh, excellent uh, introductions to some of this idea of retail, et cetera. Why don't we begin with your background? Sure. So currently, uh, I'm the Director for Healthcare ISVs and Strategic Alliances here at VMware, uh, but I'm originally from Jonesboro, Arkansas. Uh, I, I matriculated through Atlanta and Georgia Southern University, where I actually got a degree in philosophy and a minor in music. So to wind up in software and specifically healthcare might seem uh, a little bit odd, but my mother works for the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention here in Atlanta. And so I've actually had a, a really good intimate relationship really with thinking about population health and, and disease for a long time. Yeah, and it's really a fantastic background. We've talked about this a bit, you know, with your your mother's the CDC and your thoughts on this. And really, as we move this whole population health sphere and this retail introduction into healthcare and thinking population health, that whole issue of data, data from disparate populations, people that need help, et cetera, really becomes even more important. Why don't you touch on that a little bit and sort of maybe what VMware is doing in that space? Sure. Well, you know, the first thing I think when we think, think about population health, right, and all of the desperate data is this notion of informed consent. So Fred, if I ask you a question, right, what does informed consent mean in a value-based healthcare system? Of course, no wrong answers, but just give me an idea. It would mean to me that I've agreed to whatever you believe is in the right uh, approach to treat me or provide me with the healthcare services that um, I hope to get to achieve the best outcome. Right. And, and what we've seen historically, though, right, especially under underserved communities, is a distrust or a lack of uh, ability to engage, whether it's cost or location. And so one of the things that we really see in sort of this, this changing landscape of healthcare is that informed consent becomes a question that major retailers know the answer to, right? It's, it's, it's due in no small part to the pandemic. Uh, to be honest, what for years in healthcare has been thought of medical adherence, right, which could be another way of thinking of informed consent, has through the pandemic and that digital transformation become a matter of consumption. Now, with the pandemic, everyone had to immediately learn how to consume life in decentralized forms. We saw increased digital engagement as society figured out, in my case, fourth grade homeroom Zoom calls or Instacart or time slots. Uh, my son loves Fortnite, right? Uh, but unfortunately, in healthcare, we also saw lots of separation, baffling grief due to being underinformed, and clinician burnout, especially in underserved areas. 
Um, healthcare had to build a digital foundation to really support this new de decentralized world. And they had to do it in a system where healthcare providers are operating on single digit margins. Uh, there's evolving regulations as we had to figure out what was going on. And then of course being uh, one of the biggest targets in the world. I mean, I didn't even realize, you know, the takeoff in ransomware and ransomware as a service. What a lot of people don't even realize is that healthcare was technically the first ransomware attack in 1989. Did you know that? No, I actually didn't. I know it gets hammered a lot, but I didn't know that one. It was. It was actually uh, considered the first ransomware attack involving a Trojan horse uh, that was actually sent to AIDS researchers. And so when we think about where this landscape is changing, especially when it comes to population health, and we think about the way that they could actually change, and I say they being retailers in this rise of this new vertical, what we want to think about is, is how healthcare has been unable to actually serve the community in the way that it would like, in, in part because of the cost and scale and some other things, but then how retail is strategically positioned to cause a paradigm shift. I mean, you've got a fee-for-service system that's riddled with the high cost I mentioned, uh, the underinsured and the uninsured, which of course relates to the populations we talked about, uh, uneven access, and of course, a fragmented care infrastructure. Well, retail understands how consumers interpret value uh, they have the payment systems to optimize revenue. They drive engagement across all the demographics. And the model is built on you as a consumer coming back. So when we think about the opportunity, especially for underserved communities, I think retail or, or clinical health has got a big opportunity to make a difference. Does that make sense? Yeah, it sure does. So how do you bring together those disparate pieces? And it seems like as we bring retail into this equation and we begin to recognize the needs to help solve the issues in various communities, it's all about getting that data together, I would assume, and, and new data sets to begin to understand what's going on and what to do about it. I agree. I mean, and if, if we go back to code for just a second, right? Um, all of a sudden, we have this decentralized uh, healthcare system. My mother su suffers from lupus. And so as a result, right, we didn't want her going in for an appointment or a checkup and having it be sort of buy one, get one free, right? Go in with lupus, come out with COVID. Uh, but while COVID was in some ways sort of like a fuel injection for healthcare to get moving on value-based care and start to change, I feel like retail is pulling up in a Model S. It's a red one, and it's got a license plate that says click here because they understand completely about desperate data, how to bring it in. And I'm joking, of course, but you can think five years down the road about clever ads that are designed to encourage you to care about you and your health, and, and they'll be personalized. And that personalized aspect of it, that's where all of that desperate data is coming in. They're going to encourage you to use those applications. And chances are, a lot of them will be free just with an Amazon subscription health, right? Or Amazon health subscription. Uh, so when I think about that, and I think about engaging with consumers of, of healthcare, as opposed to really just being patients, I think about interacting in a way where we treat patients more the way that TikTok treats us versus, say, dentists in the 90s, right? And instead of thinking about it in an annual one-time checkup, we're, we're getting this continuous platforming of your data that really turns your health into a wellness journey. And I think that matters a lot in communities where historically right? They didn't either have the access or they didn't have the knowledge to understand what would, would make a difference in their care. And of course, there's an emerging set of data that's being provided by the fact that almost everyone these days seems to have a smartphone. And if they don't, right, they, they've got access maybe to a computer. And that creates a lot of flattening and an, and an opportunity for a lot of uh, better outcomes. Mm -hmm. So one of my concerns with something like that is if it's not set up 
and maybe this is where retail really can help. If it's not set up and personalized, then people are going to turn it off. This TikTok of stuff I don't want to see about my health is going to just bum me out. That's right. I told, listen, so there was a, um, I'm going to, I'm going to leave the, uh, the name of the company out, but there was an anecdotal story of a company that had come across an algorithm that could really with high accuracy predict adverse outcomes. I believe it was uh, heart attacks. And what do you think happened when they started trying to share that data with patients? Well, see, my first thought, again, and I'm in technology and I'm, I'm very optimistic, was, oh, wow, you guys caught this early. There's there's a great opportunity. Well, in fact, it caused people to be like, oh, well, I'm going to retire now. <laughs> you, you had you had this, this uh, reaction, which was unexpected, and you talk about setting it up correctly, right? There was that, That's a, a situation where good intentions ultimately kind of led to adverse outcomes. Now, when we think about setting this up, we have to take a couple things into consideration. One, as populations change, we no longer have uh, essentially the, the the great generation of, of World War II that may not be interested in keeping up with uh, technology and, and cell phones and, and tablets. And so they're the introduction of that data, that personalization, that setup. There's a couple things that are going to be able to happen that's going to make it so that those people have the access that they're currently used to. Just uh, this week, I believe Best Buy announced about their home health uh, innovation using the Geek Squad. So the Geek Squad is going to come in. It's going to set up these devices. It's going to work on your network. And just in the way that, you know, people think about brands like Apple, where it just works, I think healthcare is an opportunity to just work. And then to your point, the data that we provide, it's going to be in a positive way to keep you along milestones so that you understand contextually what it means with the greater population around you. And in doing so, you create a community. You know, people don't, it, it's interesting. I, there was a report uh, years ago that said people who are pet owners had higher rates of giving their pets medicine on time than taking their own medicine. And that struck me as being so interesting, but it is a paradigm shift in thinking of yourself and being responsible for yourself in the same way that you would care for another person. But algorithms and data can help you do that through community, through access, and through knowledge. My grandmother, God rest her soul, she was one of the first teachers to integrate into Arkansas. Uh, and as a Black teacher, she taught me a couple things specifically about education. And she was a very positive person. My grandfather was a pastor. And so one of the only things I can ever remember being negative, right, was that she said, Cameron, when I was growing up, they used to say that if you wanted to hide something from a Black man, you would put it in a book. She said, Cameron, they'll never be able to hide anything from you. And so as a personalized experience, when I think about education, when I think about African-Americans, when I think about women, when I think about any underserved population, we have the ability to educate you about yourself in a way that contextualizes your data and gives you personalized things so that you feel like we are treating you as a whole human and not just a bag of symptoms. So where does VMware play in this space? Great question. So VMware was one of the fastest growing companies in history, technologically speaking. And it comes down to, in a lot of ways, what I think of as the abstraction layer, right? Uh, we had something called server sprawl, where obviously you were getting new applications and you're buying a server. And for every application, you know, there was a server for that. And it just kept growing and growing and growing. And finally, someone says, hey, let's take a software layer, put it on top, and now we can really tell what's going on, right? Very, very old school, but for, for some listeners who may not be familiar, that that's a brief way of breaking it down. But take that abstraction further. When we take it to the network, now every single year, we're not having to update hardware to keep up with you know the latest functionality. Now that software layer helps to be connected, but to give you that visualization that you got just on the servers. Take it to mobile devices. 
right? No matter what your operating system is, it isn't, you know, the old days of Windows versus iOS, or if you were a VHS or beta for some of the, uh, some of our older uh, listeners, your, your experience on your mobile device is going to be defined by an abstraction layer that just works and it makes it easy. And on top of that, we think about integration. So again, as director of healthcare ISVs, I am responsible for the relationship with a bunch of the EMRs, think Epic, think Cerner, but also with hyperscalers, think Google, think Microsoft. And where that data all comes together is on the back end, right? We have integration APIs, right? I, I talk about providers right now whenever I have conversations. What's your API strategy? How are you going to engage people? How are you going to make it so that the time that they leave your hospital, your hospital goes with them, extending the walls, right? And we think about that kind of strategy. When that comes together through integration, then you as a consumer, it just works. But then it also is sort of easy, easy to use. So VMware provides multiple parts of this. Uh, whether it's the abstraction layer on the server, whether it's getting to the mobile devices, really from the data center to the device, we help facilitate healthcare. And so Cameron, as the system moves, you mentioned a little bit, we used to be hospital-centric, physician office-centric, but now care is kind of everywhere. All new delivery methods, whether it's mobile vans or hospital at home, et cetera. So this layer sort of facilitates that data exchange? Correct. So if we think about smart ambulances, right, they need connectivity. If we think about the new broadband that was created just for first responders, how do we keep that broadband secure? How do we make sure that we're not having packet loss? How do we understand that? One of the things that we've really seen a rise of, and you might be familiar, it's usually called digital employee management or digital employee experience. I, I speak in healthcare, so I talk about I think about clinician experience, right? I think about chief nursing officers, and I think about what that kind of access means. But I think about the fact that you may not understand that technology. And so to give you an example, when VMware had to roll out, I believe, 10,000 users, we were able with that digital employee experience, being able to monitor what's happening on your device at a passive way to actively take a response. So one of our coworkers actually got a phone call saying, hey, we see that the driver for this particular application is not working. And we just wanted to go ahead and let you know we're proactively fixing it for you. That's a great experience. And when we take that to healthcare, right, we're able now to give you data about the way that your applications are being used, what your engagement is like, and that, again, drives better healthcare outcomes. Now take that one step further. Merge that with the personalization of retail, and you've got something really, really powerful. And if you're just tuning in, you're listening to Pop Health Week on Healthcare Now Radio. We're speaking with Cameron Llewellyn, Director of Healthcare Independent Software Vendors and Alliance Partners at VMware. So you can push this or connect this system to the patient's phone, to a clinician, to somebody at hospital at home, and it's sort of device agnostic? Right. And let's think about it uh, this way as well, right? If we think about healthcare being everywhere, uh, in the previous example, the Best Buy Geek Squad guy comes in. He's setting up a bunch of devices. Uh, actually, it's International Women's Day, so we'll make it a woman that comes in. And she's setting up a bunch of devices, and those devices are communicating securely, right? So you're not actually being, being able to hack that or anything. And those devices are all reporting to something in the cloud, right? And we also think about the cloud here at VMware as going from a cloud chaos, 
where in the same way that we saw adoption in, in new technologies where people got locked in, we want to avoid vendor lock-in, especially for healthcare. If you're running on a single digit margin, we don't want you locked inside of one cloud. And so when we think about access, we want to think about having choice to multiple clouds, but for that end user who is consuming your services, it's got to work. It's got to all come back to a good abstraction later. And if there's a problem, you need to be able to remediate that problem quickly, because I don't know about you, but anytime I've had Uber Eats and they deliver it to the wrong house, I get a little upset. But if Uber called me and said, hey, we just realized we made a mistake and your food is next door, that kind of proactive engagement, that makes me a consumer. That brings me back. Now, imagine that's your doctor. Hey, Fred, we are so glad that you came in last week. We, are, we love the fact that your numbers look great. We've got a couple of different things we want to add in terms of engagement to make sure that you feel supported. And if there's anything else that you want, please let us know. Because let's be honest, Fred, EMRs aren't set up to take patient engagement. EMRs aren't, aren't set up for the qualitative, you know, aspect of the patient, right? You know, you could, you could have a, a problem with your foot and a cortisone shot would be covered by your insurance. But an insole that might be 50 feet away on aisle E in Walmart could do the same thing. Let me tell you what people who would who don't like needles would prefer. And let me tell you how they would feel if I suggested that and they felt seen. You know, it's fascinating to listen to this because I had a recent experience. I've moved a, about a year ago and had to find a new primary care physician. So I went to this one practice and went to the first you know visit and they said, and my prior uh, primary care physician said, okay, here's some things to take with you. Here's the chart. Here are the things you need to get ordered when you're down there and some stuff. And so I went and said, okay, here are the things I need to get done. And um, I guess they didn't have an interconnected system <laughs> because it just fell apart. I literally had to go out and try and figure out, did you make that call? Have you scheduled this? Did you send an order to the lab? And, uh, you know, I guess that's sort of what we're living in today. But what you talk about sounds like such a better future. And where are there places that are doing this, I guess, with VMware now? Wow, that's a, a great question. So there's plenty of places that that are doing it. And I want to be careful because I did not prepare currently to give you any wins. But I can give you a couple of examples if that's perfect. Okay. Uh, so, you know, one uh, hospital came to us specifically looking uh, to have patient engagement be a major part of the way that they they went to market. Uh, and what they were trying to do is to make sure that they could collect that data, but then also translate that into actionable things. And then you have chief quality control officers, chief experience officers. And what they wind up doing is taking that data and putting it into metrics and KPIs that the hospital can measure against in order to actually think about if whether or not their, their changes is impacting the bottom line, impacting customers, et cetera. And so what I love to point out, right, is that VMware has had a continued history, right, where we are working with the largest, largest EMR providers, with the largest identity providers, with the largest cloud providers to ultimately be able to deliver on whatever your, your goal is. Now, again, those goals change based on what kind of organization you are, if you're in a very population dense area, what's your specialties. But the bottom line of it is that you've got to have visibility. You've got to have something that's cloud smart because you may not be on premise, you may not want to go completely cloud native. And what VMware does for all of those organizations, regardless of what healthcare institution we're talking about, is provide that interconnectivity and provide that visibility and provide that security. Uh, so I'm, I'm happy to talk about, again, how many of the largest hospitals that we're in, how many workloads we've had, you know, we, we, we had how we dominate uh, in terms of servers and, and some of the largest EMRs. But with you, Fred, to just keep it really personal, 
the difference is that VMware is facilitating your change into value-based care. And we all know that that is one of the necessary things for, for healthcare providers to really continue uh, to challenge for a market that's being upended, if you will, by some great retail entrants. Absolutely, Cameron. When I think about you know population health, the underpinnings of it is data. And you have to be able to get that data from the numerous different sources that are out there, put it into a usable format, and then do something about it. And so when you then layer on and say, we're now going to do value-based care and begin to change reimbursement based upon things like that, it becomes even more critical for these uh, facilities, healthcare systems, providers, physicians, et cetera, to be able to link up to these disparate sources, get the information they need in a, in a way they can use it right where they're at, and then be able to then implement any recommendations or changes for the patients or their system. I agree. And if we start to break down again, what, what that desperate data really looks like, I like to separate it. If we take this back out outside of health, right? Fred, if I were to ask you, what are your hobbies? My hobbies? Uh, fishing, backpacking, boating, paddleboarding, those kinds of things. All right. Now, if I'm monitoring uh, your shopping trends, then I will eventually cyclically know that, hey, you know, usually in June, July, Fred likes to take a vacation. He's going to go do some fly fishing. And so what are you going to get as a recommendation in your Amazon shopping cart? Right. Yeah. Right. Fly fishing gear. Okay. Now, think about I went in. I've got high blood pressure. Now I'm headed to Whole Foods. And what I'm getting is prompted by coupons, coupons related to foods that are going to reduce inflammation, coupons that are related to food that eventually my insurance provider might look at and say, hey, Cam's with the program, right? Cam's hitting metrics that are based on an application, and we, we can verify that he's buying the food that's actually going to help him to get better. And eventually, right, that could reduce what you're actually charging me in terms of my rates, right? It comes back to that notion of personalization in retail, and unfortunately, healthcare just wasn't able to do that. If I'm a doctor serving a very large population, I'm sorry, but I don't know where your nearest grocery store is. I'm not going to know. And in, in when the, the flu season strikes, it's amazing how, how clinicians get overwhelmed, and it happens every single year. But now if we decentralize that, if we now know that at a particular school that there's been an outbreak of a particular uh, virus or disease, we can alert all of the, the, the pharmacies around. We can use supply chain activation to be able to get that population served. And that incident response, that's the thing that we learned again from COVID. And, and VMware helped with that. Uh, if, you, if you go back to COVID, we were responsible for setting up pop-up clinics to decentralize testing. And I love being a part of an organization that is, is making such a difference. And I'm so glad that we're talking about that, uh, about underserved communities and population health, because I do think it's going to be one of the things that changes, right, this new, this new millennium. But also in identifying it, we are actually helping to incentivize payers, providers, and retailers to work together to ultimately will make money, but it's going to save lives. Absolutely. I think it's, um, I mean, it's, it's a fantastic area to think about, but what about this? You know, you talked about schools, outbreaks, things like that. Those are all obviously positive things to go ahead and be able to quickly understand, set up the system and react to it. Does it become a little bit big brotherish? That's a great question. Wow. So I want to take a measured approach when I say this. Because I want to, I want to make sure that I am yeah. uh, equally uh, non-political, right? 
when I think about Big Brother and I think about the failings of a Big Brother, I think about public policy. I think about the unseen. I think about people who care about the cost of healthcare without understanding the real cost of healthcare, right? If if you were going to raise the amount that it it cost me uh, for a short term to be able to set up a better healthcare system, would I take that in the long term? Especially if that system is going to be available for me when I, I reach social security age. And speaking personally, I was a big brother. And I'll be honest, I didn't always have it figured out, right? Uh, growing up with my mom and not having a dad, there were things that I had to figure out, but then when I taught my brother, it went better. So of course, the first time I shaved, guess what happened? I cut myself. And plenty of healthcare organizations and plenty of governments that are looking at healthcare, you're going to have those cuts. But the second iteration, the policy that's formed by the data that you collect, those things not only can, can stop being big brotherish, meaning that we can decentralize it, we can push it to the states, we can push it to localities, we can push it to you, the ultimate outcome is going to be far better than a fee-based system in which we see doctors always understanding more about care than actually the patients. And that goes back to, again, what informed consent is, right? I ask you that question because when I think about this in the macro, I think about what that means for engagement moving forward. Does that make sense? Yeah, it sure does. And I think about it from my perspective. I monitor everything. I report my stuff to all kinds of people and little studies and things like that. And so it it doesn't bother me. But some, as, as we've mentioned, we don't have a lot of time, but some populations have not been treated appropriately in the past Yes, from the healthcare system. And so there's a reason for this general concern about, you know, this. And so hopefully as, as this builds, and I think it will, and I think it's going to be very positive, it, it recognizes that and addresses that up front so that people can feel comfortable stepping into this system and, and, uh, and working through it for their own healthcare. Yeah, I mean, and if I can just touch on that one more time, I think about a lot of, of the impact that we could have uh, as, as a community, as a healthcare community and technology by meeting people where they live. Uh, of course, it's very foreign uh, the first time that you encounter something, but it's the conversations that we have, especially with those underserved communities that will build trust. And you know what else? The data, the data itself. Um, is going to be a big difference. So when I think about healthcare, when I think about most things, I always try to avoid sort of the soft bigotry of low expectations, because I believe ultimately that people want to do good, whether it's for themselves or for others. And my way of, of getting to that is just being authentic. And I think healthcare has an opportunity along with, uh, you know, good-minded people like yourself uh, to make a difference and, and hopefully to, to push people to accept this new pathway. Well, Cameron, that's a fantastic way to finish the show. It's been a pleasure having you on. What you're talking about really needs to continue to grow. And I really appreciate your thoughtfulness in how you consider this and, and brought it to our attention. Thank you so much, Fred. I, I love your your show. A longtime listener and, and just honored to be on it. I can't wait to send this to my mom. Happy International Women's Day. Absolutely. And back to you, Greg. And thank you, Fred. That is the last word on today's broadcast. I do want to thank Cameron Llewellyn, Director of Healthcare Independent Software Vendors and Alliance Partners at VMware, for his timely and challenging insights today. To learn more about VMware products and services, go to www.vmware.com and do follow their work on Twitter via at VMware and VMwareHIT, respectively. And finally, if you're enjoying our work here at Pop Health Week, please like the show on the podcast platform of your choice. 
Do share with your colleagues and consider subscribing to keep up with new episodes as they're released. We stream live on Healthcare Now Radio weekdays at 5.30 a.m., 1.30 p.m., and 9.30 p.m. Eastern. And for you, Left Coasters, 2.30 a.m., 10.30 a.m., and 6.30 p.m. Pacific. For Pop Health Week, my co-host Fred Goldstein, this is Greg Masters saying, please stay safe, everyone. Bye now. Bye now.